0: chapter 21 a black ivory by r m valentine this LibriVox recording is in the public domain chapter 21 progress of the slave run the deadly swamp and the unexpected rescue we will now leap over a short period of time about 2 or 3 weeks during which the sable procession had been winding its weary way over hill and dale plain and swamp during that comparatively brief period harold and disco had seen so much cruelty and suffering that they both felt a strange tendency to believe that the whole must be the wild imaginings of a horrible dream perhaps weakness resulting from illness might have had something to do with this peculiar feeling of unbelief for both had been subject to a second though slight attack of fever nevertheless coupled with their skepticism with a contradictory and dreadful certainty that they were not dreaming, but that what they witnessed was absolute verity. It is probable that if they had been in their ordinary health and vigor they would have made a violent attempt to rescue the slaves, even at the cost of their own lives. But severe and prolonged illness often unhinges the mind as well as the body, and renders the spirit all but impotent, One sultry evening the sad procession came to a long stretch of swamp and prepared to cross it. Although already thinned by death, the slave gang was large. It numbered several hundreds and was led by Marizano, Yusuf having started some days in advance in charge of a similar gang. Harold and Disco were by that time in the habit of walking together in front of the gang chiefly for the purpose of avoiding the sight of cruelties and woes which they were powerless to prevent or assuage on reaching the edge of the swamp however they felt so utterly wearied and dispirited that they sat down on a bank to rest intending to let the slave gang go into the swamp before them and then follow in rear antonio and jumbo also remained with them you should go on in front said marizano significantly on observing their intention Tell him we'll remain where we are, said Disco sternly to Antonio. Marizano shrugged his shoulders and left them. The leading men of the slave gang were ordered to advance as soon as the armed guard had commenced the toilsome march over ground into which they sank knee-deep at every step. The first man of the gang hesitated and heaved a deep sigh as though his heart failed him at the prospect, and well it might, for although young he was not robust and overdriving, coupled with the weight and the chafing of the goree, had worn him to a skeleton. It was not the policy of the slave-traders to take much care of their black ivory. They procured it so cheaply that it was easier and more profitable to lose or cast away some of it than to put off time in resting and recruiting the weak. The moment it was observed, therefore, that the leading man hesitated, one of the drivers gave him a slash across his naked back with a heavy whip which at once drew blood. Poor wretch! He could ill bear further loss of the precious stream of life, for it had already been deeply drained from him by the slave-stick. The chafing of that instrument of torture had not only worn the skin off his shoulders, but had cut into the quivering flesh so that blood constantly dropped in small quantities from it. No cry burst from the man's lips on receiving the cruel blow, but he turned his eyes on his captors with a look that seemed to implore for mercy. As well might he have looked for mercy at the hands of Satan. The lash again fell on him with stinging force. He made a feeble effort to advance, staggered, and fell to the ground, dragging down the man to whom he was coupled with such violence as almost to break his neck. The lash was again about to be applied to make him rise, but Disco and Harold rose simultaneously and rushed at the driver, with what intent they scarcely knew, but four armed half-castes stepped between them and the slave. "'You had better not interfere,' said Marizano, who stood close by. "'Out of the way!' cried Harold fiercely, in the strength of his passion hurling aside the man who opposed him. "'You shan't give him another cut,' said Disco between his teeth as he seized the driver by the throat. "'We don't intend to do so,' said Marizano coolly, while the driver released himself from the poor Disco's weakened grasp. "'He won't need any more.' The Englishman required no explanation of these words. A glance told them that the man was dying. "'Cut him out,' said Marizano. One of his men immediately brought a saw and cut the fork of the stick which still held the living to the dying man and which being riveted on them could not otherwise be removed. Harold and Disco lifted him up as soon as he was free, and carrying him a short distance aside to a soft part of the bank, laid him gently down. The dying slave looked as if he were surprised at such unwanted tenderness. There was even a slight smile on his lips for a few moments, but it quickly passed away with the fast ebbing tide of life. Go fetch some water, said Harold. His lips are dry. Disco rose and ran to fill a small coconut shell which he carried at his girdle as a drinking cup. Returning with it he moistened the man's lips and poured a little of the cool water on the raw sores on each side of his neck. They were so much engrossed with their occupation that neither of them observed that the slave gang had commenced to pass through the swamp until the sharp cry of a child drew their attention to it for a moment but knowing that they could do no good they endeavored to shut their eyes and ears to everything save the duty they had in hand. By degrees the greater part of the long line had got into the swamp and were slowly toiling through it under the stimulus of the lash. Some, like the poor fellow who first fell, had sunk under their accumulated trials and after a fruitless effort on the part of the slavers to drive them forward had been kicked aside into the jungle there to die or to be torn in pieces by that ever watchful scavenger of the wilderness the hyena these were chiefly women who having become mothers not long before were unable to carry their infants and keep up with the gang others under the intense dread of flagellation made the attempt and staggered on a short distance only to fall and be left behind in the pestilential swamp where rank reeds and grass closed over them And formed a ready grave. The difficulties of the swamp were, however, felt most severely by the children who from little creatures of not much more than five years of age to well-grown boys and girls were mingled with and chained to the adults along the line. Their comparatively short legs were not well adapted for such ground, and not a few of them perished there. But although the losses here were terribly numerous in one sense, They, after all, bore but a small portion to those whose native vigor carried them through in safety. Among the men there were some whose strength of frame and fierce expression indicated untamable spirits. Men who might have been, probably were, heroes among their fellows. It was for men of this stamp that the goree or slave-stick had been invented, and most effectually did that instrument serve its purpose. Samson himself, would have been a mere child in it. There were men in the gang quite as bold, if not as strong, as Samson. One of these a very tall and powerful negro, on drawing near to the place where Marizano stood superintending the passage, turned suddenly aside, and although coupled by the neck to a fellow slave and securely bound at the wrist with a cord which was evidently cutting into his swelled flesh, made a desperate kick at the half-caste leader. Although the slave failed to reach him, Marizano was so enraged that he drew a hatchet from his belt and instantly dashed out the man's brains. He fell dead without even a groan. Terrified by this, the rest passed on more rapidly, and there was no further check till a woman in line with an infant on her back stumbled and, falling down, appeared unable to rise. "'Get up!' shouted Marizano whose rage had rather been increased than abated by the murder he had just committed. The woman rose and attempted to advance, but seemed ready to fall again. Seeing this, Marizano plucked the infant from her back, dashed it against a tree, and flung its quivering body into the jungle, while a terrible application of the lash sent the mother shrieking into the swamp. Note See Livingston Zambesi and its Tributaries Page 857 and for a record of cruelties too horrible to be set down in a book like this, we refer the reader to MacLeod's Travels in Eastern Africa, volume 2, page 26, also to the appendix of Captain Sullivan's Dow chasing in Zanzibar waters, which contains copious and interesting extracts from evidence taken before the Select Committee of the House of Commons. End of note. Harold and Disco did not witness this, though they heard the shriek of despair, for at the moment the negro they were tending was breathing his last. When his eyes had closed and the spirit had been set free, they rose, and purposely refraining from looking back, hurried away from the dreadful scene, intending to plunge into the swamp at some distance from the place, and push on until they should regain the head of the column. "'Better if we'd never fallen behind, sir,' said Disco in a deep tremulous voice true replied harold we should have been spared these sights and the pain of knowing that we cannot prevent this appalling misery and cruelty but surely it is to be prevented somehow cried disco almost fiercely many a war that has cost mints of money has been carried on for causes that ain't worth mentioning in the same breath with this as harold knew not what to say and was toiling knee-deep in the swamp at the moment he made no reply after marching about half an hour He stopped abruptly and said, with a heavy sigh, "'I hope we haven't missed our way.' "'Hope not, sir, but it looks like as if we had. I've been so took up thinking of that accursed traffic and human beings that I've lost my reckoning. Howsoever, we can't be far out, and with the sun to guide us, we'll—' He was stopped by a loud halloo in the woods on the belt of the swamp. It was repeated in a few seconds, and Antonio, who, with Jumbo, had followed his master, cried in an excited tone me knows that sound what may it be tony there was neither time nor need for an answer for at that moment a ringing cry something like a bad imitation of a british cheer was heard and a bang of men sprang out of the woods and ran at full speed towards our englishmen why zombo exclaimed disco wildly olivera cried harold masico sangolo shouted antonio and jumbo and Jose nacoda chimbola Mabruco, the whole bun of em cried disco as one after another these worthies emerged from the wood and rushed in a state of frantic excitement towards their friends hurray hooroo hey replied the runners in another minute our adventurous party of travellers was reunited and for some time nothing but wild excitement congratulations queries that got no replies and replies that ran tilt at irrelevant queries with confusion worse confounded by explosions of unbounded and irrepressible laughter not unmingled with tears was the order of the hour. "'But what, you's ill?' cried Zombo suddenly, looking into Disco's face with an anxious expression. "'Well, I ain't exactly ill, nor I ain't exactly well neither, but I'm hearty all the same, and weary glad to see your black face, Zombo.' "'Ha! hoo hey So me's see you,' cried the excitable Zombo. "'but come, not good for talky in de knees to water. "'Fall in, boy, ho! "'Shall oms, mash!' "'That Zombo had assumed command of his party "'was made evident by the pat way "'in which he trolled off the words of command "'formerly taught to him by Harold, "'as well as by the prompt obedience "'that was accorded to his orders. "'He led the party out of the swamp "'and on reaching a dry spot halted "'in order to make further inquiries "'and answer questions. "'How did you find us, Zombo? asked Harold, throwing himself wearily on the ground. You is ill, said Zombo, holding up a finger by way of rebuke. So I am, though not so ill as I look. But come, answer me. How came you to discover us? You could not have found us by mere chance in this wilderness. Chance? What am chance? asked the Makololo. There was some difficulty in getting Antonio to explain the word, from the circumstances of himself being ignorant of it. Therefore— harold put the question in a more direct form oh we comes here look for you cause people's dreckums show de way we's been weeks months oh days look for you travel far wrong road turnin back try again find you now hey? you may say that indeed i'll have it in my heart said disco to give three good rousin british cheers if it weren't for the thoughts of that black-hearted villain Marizano and his poor, miserable slaves. Marizano shouted Chambolo, glaring at Harold. Marizano, echoed Zambo, glaring at Disco. Harold now explained to his friends that the slave-hunter was close at hand, a piece of news which visibly excited them, and described the cruelties of which he had recently been a witness. Zambo showed his teeth like a savage mastiff, and grasped his musket as though he longed to use it but he uttered no word until the narrative reached that point in which the death of the poor captive was described. Then he suddenly started forward and said something to his followers in the native tongue, which caused each to fling down the small bundle that was strapped to his shoulders. "'You stop here,' he cried earnestly, as he turned to Harold and Disco. "'V's come back soon.' "'Ho, oh, boys, shoulderums, quick mash!' No trained band of Britons ever obeyed with more ready alacrity. No attention was paid to Harold's question. The quick mash carried them out of sight in a few minutes, and when the Englishmen who had run after them a few paces halted, under the conviction that in their weak condition they might as well endeavor to keep up with race-horses as with their old friends, they found that Antonio alone remained to keep them company. "'Where's Jumbo?' inquired Harold gone way with utters," replied the interpreter. Examining the bundles of their friends they found that their contents were powder, ball, and food. It was therefore resolved that a fire should be kindled and food prepared, to be ready for their friends on their return. "'I'm not so sure about their return,' said Harold gravely. "'They will have to fight against fearful odds if they find the slavers. Foolish fellows, I wish they had not rushed away so madly without consulting us.' The day passed. Night came, and passed also, and another day dawned, but there was no appearance of Zombo and his men until the sun had been up for some hours. Then they came back, wending their way slowly, very slowly, through the woods, with the whole of the slave gang, men, women, and children at their heels. "'Where is Marizano?' inquired Harold, almost breathless with surprise. "'Dead,' said Zombo. "'Dead?' Ay, dead. Couldn't be deader. And his armed followers? Dead, too. Sub of thems. "'We got Adam in de night. Shot at Marizano all to Adams. Shot at Mosab on um, followers, too. "'De rest all scattered like leaves in de wind. Me give up now,' added Zombo, handing his musket to Harold. "'Boys, orums. Me's captain not no more. "'Now, Captain Harold, use once more look after us, and take care of all people.' Having thus demitted his charge, the faithful Zambo stepped back and left our hero in the unenviable position of a half-broken-down man with the responsibility of conducting an expedition and disposing of a large gang of slaves in some unknown part of equatorial Africa. Leaving him there, we will proceed at once to the coast and follow, for a time, the fortunes of that arch-villain, Yusuf. End of chapter 21 Recording by Tom Weiss, TomsAudiobooks.com